Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. 1 through 13. Now, Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of corn behind someone in whose sight I may find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet from this early morning until now, without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Then she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should go and take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds, and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, May I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I am not one of your servants. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I am Adam Seat. I'm the lead pastor here at Orange, and I'm excited to have this opportunity for us to worship together today. God is good, and it is good to be in his house this morning. And today, as we worship Uh, I want to just say a special word of appreciation. Yesterday, we had a team of people come out to the church to do a spring cleanup, and it was funny. I was telling my wife uh, last night, I said, when I preach tomorrow morning, I'm not going to be able to raise my hands up like this. And she said, well, how many times when you preach like that? Uh, So just know I'm probably going to be a little more constrained today. I, I am feeling that from lifting the shovel with all the mulch and putting it in the beds. And it was... I was thankful for everybody that came out and was a part of that yesterday, and we had a good time and enjoyed the beautiful weather that we're continuing with today. So thank you to that team that came out. Thank you for being a part of the service today, whether you're virtual or whether you're in person. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for this day, for this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, and we are glad in it. Today, Lord, we give thanks for the way that we can continue to just press pause, the busyness of life. 
to take a few moments to be present with you, to be intentionally present with you. For Lord, we know that you are always with us. But so many times we turn our attention elsewhere. But in these moments, let us draw close to you. You are the one that has sought us out. You're the one that found us. You're the one that helps us find home. And so now in these moments that we share together, may your Holy Spirit speak to us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. And as we hear and receive these words that proceed from my mouth, may they be transformed into the word that we may need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. A friend recently asked me, if you could go back and relive your teenage years, would you do it? I ask you to think about that same question. If you could go back and relive your teenage years, those of you that are already past those teenage years, would you go back and do it? And it didn't take me very long to think about it. Absolutely not. That's why Brad's ministry with our youth is so important because those teenage years, it is so difficult and so challenging to try to find your way to fit in. And look, for me as a child that was a teenager in the 80s, it was especially painful and difficult because we had certain fashion trends that back in the 80s that we would uh, try to live up to, whether it was hairstyles where Yes, I did used to have hair, where one side might have been spiked up and the other side coming down, flock of seagulls, if that brings a reference to any of you. Uh, I will neither confess, yes, I will admit, uh, I tried that, it was not a good look, and so thank goodness that didn't stay. There was The other thing was uh, parachute pants. No, not the MC Hammer parachute pants. Some of you may be familiar with. No, before that, there were these nylon pants with zippers everywhere. And they really helped for breakdancing, which uh, they still talk about at Rolling Grice Junior High School, that ultimate breakdancing battle at one of those seventh grade dances. It was awful time to grow up and to try to find the ways to fit in. And throughout the ages, no matter what the generation is, no matter what the decade is, we will go through extremes just to try to fit in sometimes. We'll take on new hobbies that we have no interest in. We will try to fit in with crowds. We'll follow because we just want to find a place to belong. We want to find where is our place. And I'll admit, even for me, especially for me, Growing up as a child who was the son of a preacher who our family moved every four to five years. And so having to start all over again to find where I fit in was a challenge. But it was especially a challenge for somebody that dealt with so many insecurities. I was born with a cleft lip and so had to have surgeries as a child to repair that cleft lip. And I said over and over as a child that when I got old enough, I was going to grow a mustache and cover up that cleft lip so nobody would ever see that scar. And guess where I can't grow hair? (laughs) Right there, right in the middle. So that scar is prominent. You know, it's just one of those things that we deal with our own insecurities and we try to find how is it that I can fit in? How can I find home? And those were challenging years back then for me. No way would I want to relive those teenage years to go through that once again. 
But as I was going through those challenging times, I remember in Wilmington when we lived there, I was riding the bus one day and I got to know John. John was, had been there in Wilmington all of his life and John and I had several classes together, though we didn't know each other yet. And we started talking one day on the bus ride. And turned out we had many different similar interests, and both of us were trying to find our way to fit in. And John, in a lot of ways, took me under his wing. And John and I became these close friends that even to this day, we maintain that friendship. He was the best man at my wedding. I was the minister at his, along with another pastor that was a former pastor of Orange United Methodist, Reverend David Clift. He and I shared in John's wedding. And it's just one of those things that as John took me under his wing and helped me find my place, helped me find home, helped me find where I belong, it developed this understanding of who I was, who I was ultimately as a child of God. John showed me what it was like to help somebody find their place. Last week, Pastor Corey started us on the study of the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, we learn about uh, someone that has to find home. Someone that is trying to find home. As we began in Ruth chapter 1, as we looked at that, we see that there is a great famine that takes place in the land. And so, Elimelech takes his wife, Naomi, and they go to uh, the land of Moab. I love that name, Elimelech. Brad, as you said it, as you were reading the scripture, all I can think of is Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. In the Bible. No, that's as far as we'll go. But I bet it's going to stick with you the rest of the day. Elimelech. So Elimelech takes, <laughs> Elimelech takes his wife, Naomi. They go to a land, the land of Moab, which was fascinating that they would go to Moab because, see, the people of Moab and the people of Israel had a long-standing bitterness towards one another. Because the people of Moab, at one point in time, Balak, the king of Moab, had tried to curse the people of Israel. He had tried to pay someone to offer this curse over the people of Israel. At one time, Balak had tried to tempt the people of Israel to observe and worship other gods. And so that had created this long-standing bitterness between the people of Moab and the people of Israel. The people of Israel just looked down upon the people of Moab, but... When times were desperate, when times were needed, Elimelech and Naomi go, and they go to the land of Moab because of the famine, and they had the opportunity to be able to take care of one another at that time. So while they're there in the land of, of, of Moab, Naomi and Elimelech's two sons, Malan and Kilion, they take two Moabite women as wives, which again... To us, when we're just reading the scripture, a lot of times we just may not think, oh, that's not a big deal. It's kind of like Brad moved to North Carolina and he found a wife here in North Carolina. You don't think anything about it. But and then if you think about it from their context, this would almost be like someone moving from Durham, home of one particular university, to Chapel Hill and taking wives from that particular university. I mean, it's just the kind of thing that does not happen. Because of the rivalry, the bitterness between them, although we recognize it does happen. It's all good. But for them, for them, this was so significant that these two sons would take wives from the land of Moab. And so one took one wife named Orpah and the other was 
Ruth. So then we learn as we continued in that scripture of Ruth chapter 1 that Elimelech dies. Naomi is distraught, but she has her sons. She has her daughters-in-law. But then her daughters-in-law find themselves in the same situation that Naomi did. Orpah and or Kilian, Kilian and Malon die. And so Orpah and Ruth are now widows as well. And so Naomi knows nothing else to do. She's in this foreign land, a land where she looks down upon them and they look down upon her. And she knows nothing else to do except to try to go back home. And so she goes back. She's beginning to, the process. And she tells her daughters-in-law, you need to go back. You can't go back with me. I can't provide you another son to marry you. I can't do anything to provide for you. You need to go back to your homes. And they're weeping. Orpah weeps. She cries. And she goes back to her home. But you remember that passage from in chapter 1 where Ruth says that she will not leave her. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She pledges herself to Ruth, to, to Naomi. And so they go back to Bethlehem. That's where we pick up today. We pick up today as they have come back to Bethlehem. And as it turns out, as Naomi has welcomed Ruth into her coverage there they go back to Bethlehem and it's funny as they do go back people see Naomi and they say oh isn't that Naomi hey Naomi and Naomi even says to them at the end of chapter one she says oh don't call me Naomi but call me Mara for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me once again if you've got a Bible that has footnotes then you already know exactly what I'm getting ready to tell you but the name Naomi means pleasant the name Mara means bitter and so here she is, she's saying, I'm no longer pleasant, I'm bitter. That tells you something about her mindset. But as they get there into Bethlehem, it turns out that Naomi recognizes and remembers that there is a relative of her dead husband, a relative of her dead husband who has prospered well, has land, has great wealth. And so... Ruth comes to Naomi and says, may I go into the field and glean? You know, gleaning is coming behind after they've already picked the crops that are going to be used for sale. They allow others to come in behind to pick up what's left. And so Ruth asks Naomi, may I go? And I can only imagine, Scripture doesn't really point it out this way, but I can only imagine that Naomi said, yeah, make sure you go to that field, that over there. She knows that that's the land of Boaz. Boaz, this relative, knows that maybe, maybe they will find some kind of favor. And so it says that she goes out, she's in the field, she begins gleaning, and uh, she's picking up after the reapers, those that are going before, and she's picking up, cleaning after them. And then, then what happens is Boaz comes, and Boaz sees her out there. And he asks his servant, who's over the field, who, who is that out in the field? Who is that? And they tell him that was Ruth. And I think it's funny, if you read through this passage, through this whole book of the Bible, only four chapters, if you read through it, the number of times she's referred to as Ruth the Moabite is funny. I think the author is trying to really stress the point 
This person is probably not supposed to be with these people. She's not supposed to be able to fit in. She's not supposed to be able to find her place with these people. And so they're trying to point it out how radical this is that Ruth would be welcome there. And so the servant once again tells Boaz that this person out there in the field that's doing the gleaning, this is Ruth the Moabite who is with Naomi who has come with Naomi and has stuck and pledged herself to Naomi. And Boaz says, make sure that nobody bothers her. Make sure that nobody disturbs her. Allow her to glean as she wishes. I love the way he's, it says, it picks up how in verse 8, how Boaz speaks to Ruth himself and he says, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from, the, from what the young men have drawn. And then it says that Ruth falls prostrate before him on the ground and says, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I'm a foreigner? Do you get this? This reminds me of those days of being a teenager. Why would you take me under your wing? Why would you let me fit in? Why would you allow me to come and be a part of this group? I don't belong here. And she's saying, why would you let me come do this? Why would you show me this favor? I don't belong here. I'm a foreigner. Remind you, I am from the land of Moab. And it, here is where it sums it up. Where he says to her, Boaz answered, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me. And how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Do you understand that what it is that Boaz sees in Ruth that allows him, to, that makes him want to show her favor? It's not who she is. It's not where she's from. It's not anything that she says. What it is, is what she's done. He sees the commitment that she has shown to Naomi. He sees what has been done. Not what she said, not where she's from, but what she's done. That he allows that favor to be found. I think it's, it's beautiful that what has happened here is that Naomi has welcomed Ruth. Welcomed her, put her, spread her protection over her. But yet they're not out of the story. Their story's not finished yet. She's nurtured her. That nurturing, I can see, is the sense of healing that has taken place because she's got to still be grieving the death of her husband as she also mourns the death of her father-in-law. And as she grieves and is in this, Naomi has nurtured her. But now Naomi has also equipped her to go out into the field to glean. And she sent her. You know, it's interesting that here at Orange United Methodist Church, we see our vision as we have a reminder on the wall behind us. Our vision is to be a church that helps people find their place in God's story. And we do that in very intentional ways. We first want to welcome people, to help people find, come in, come in. We want to welcome people into the kingdom of God. 
We want to nurture because when we come to God, many times we come from a place of hurt. We come from a place of having been harmed by people of the world. Sometimes we come to God from having been harmed by a church itself or representatives or things that the church has said. And so we want to nurture that life back into health. But then we want to equip. We want to give each other those gifts, those strengths to be able to serve God in whatever way that God has particularly anointed you. Whether it's coming up and helping to lead worship or serving as a greeter or serving out on a team, putting out mulch in the beds around the church. We're somehow equipping one another to serve. But then we're sent because the thing is the world is full of people that have been hurt just like us. I think back to my own personal story once again and how I struggled to find my place. And I'm so thankful for those people who have come alongside me that have welcomed me, that have nurtured me to help me find that healing from past hurt. There's people that have equipped me. There's people that have sent me. And the thing is, Jesus Christ, as we sang just a little while ago, Jesus Christ is that one that has welcomed us. He sought us out to the point to welcome us. He sought us out to welcome us and to nurture us, to allow us to find that hope and to find that healing through him once again. But as I think back through the disciples and the way that he equipped them, he taught them, he modeled for them, he then ultimately sent them. And that same story is being relived out for us. So we got to find our place. We've got to find our place in the story. Where are we in the story? Maybe we're the ones that are seeking to be found. Maybe we're the ones seeking to find home. It's such a hurtful time. And maybe we've been so tired of running and trying to make it on our own. Maybe now is the time we're trying to find our home in God. Maybe we're the ones that are ready to welcome. Maybe we're the ones ready to nurture and equip and send. Where are we? Today I want to invite you to help find your place in God's story. Because to find our place requires risk. To find your home requires risk. I've recently drove past a church that was just down the, re the street from where I live. And outside, out front, they had a sign that said how live worship was taking place every Sunday at 11 o'clock. And I've driven past that church a hundred times or more. And I've wondered, I began thinking to myself, what would it take for me to go through the doors of that church for the very first time? Because... This may be your first time here. It's an intimidating thing to walk into a place where you don't know anybody. And you're just wondering, am I going to fit in? And I remember thinking, what if I took a Sunday off and I just walked in the doors of that church? Would I be able to find my place? I mean, that's one of the things I like to do when I'm on vacation. Uh, when I'm on vacation, I like to go to visit another church. I like to see how am I going to fit in. One year, we were on vacation at the beach. I won't say what beach because I don't want uh, to badmouth any other church or anything. But what happened was I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to church because there was a church just down the road from where we were. And so I went. And I was so excited because, you know what? I was going to walk in that place. I'm going to say, I'm a Methodist preacher. And I'm here on vacation. 
I'm going to get a gold star or something. I was excited. I was going to find my place. I was going to be able to say how I probably went to the same seminary where that pastor went at that place too. And I, I just couldn't wait to be able to find my place in that church. And I walked in the doors and I sat down and nobody spoke to me. And then we had this point in the service, uh, which is also called the most awkward point of any worship service, called the passing of the peace. Anybody? Are you familiar with that, the passing of the peace? Where people turn to one another and they greet one another. Peace of Christ be with you and also with you. I used to want to try to say, peace of Christ be with you. And just see, did they pick up that I didn't say peace of Christ, peace of Christ. Because nobody's really listening. They're going through the motions. They're saying things, but they don't really mean it in that moment. And what I found is I sat in that church all by myself. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody even came to say, peace of Christ be with you. I, I looked all around. I was waiting. I was so ready to say, I'm a Methodist preacher from North Carolina. <laughs> never got the chance. I never want to be a part of a place that somebody can't come in and find home. I never want to be a part of a place. I think that is what we are called to in the kingdom of God. And we see it modeled out through the life of Naomi. We see it modeled out through the life of Ruth. The way that they bonded together because they found home. And then we see the way that it then expands to Boaz. Who sees that level of commitment. And he says, you know what? We found home. We're going to be a family. We're going to be a bond. Now we've got two more weeks of this study of Ruth. So I can't tell the rest of the story. But I kind of just gave it away. If you didn't know it already, but stick with us. Because, folks, our purpose on this world is to find our home in God and to bring others alongside us, to find that hope, to find that peace. It's not just about us finding home. It's about leading somebody else there. And when it starts with a first commitment, it's going to lead to another. And it requires a risk. It was a risk for Naomi to take on Ruth. It was a risk for Naomi to take Ruth back to Bethlehem, the Moabite. It was a risk for Boaz to allow them to her, her to be in his field. But that risk led to them finding home. May we be on the lookout for the ways that we can find home. May we always be on the lookout the ways we can help someone else find home. May we always help people find their place in God's story. Let us pray. Lord God, you love us not because of who we are, what we've said. You love us because we are yours. And Lord, that love grows each time that we try to, to magnify your love, to show that love to others. And so today, Lord, I give thanks for the way that you went out of your way to welcome us. The way that you offered your son to pay a price of admission so that we might truly be at home with you. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you nurture us. In the place of hurt, you offer peace, hope, and healing. Lord, you equip us. Because just as we have experienced that need to find home, just as we too have experienced that longing of belonging, Lord, there are others. There are so many others that need to know that hope. 
And so as you have welcomed us, you've nurtured us, Lord, you equip us, and you send us. And today, as we have the opportunity to share together and this reminder of the sacrifice that you paid to make us home, it's not just a reminder, it is your holy presence that is here with us. And so, Lord, may you make us one with each other and one with you as we share in this time. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.